Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Why It Matters. As always, this is Tracy and Tim talking to folks who are leaders and thinkers and movers and shakers in our world. So, yeah, uh, thanks for joining in. We are really excited to have Dan Lamont with us, uh, leader of Threshold World. Uh, a couple years ago, I saw on LinkedIn, Dan had started a new thing called Threshold World. And it's, it said something like, and I'm gonna mess this up, Dan, sorry, but something like the world needs change. We're at a threshold moment. Um, and that was it. It was just like, and I was like, I, I definitely wanna hear more about that. So I reached out to Dan. Uh, we'd had like two conversations before that or something. And so um, that conversation was so interesting that I was like a month and a half later still thinking about it and called him up again. And then we just started having every other month or so another conversation. And I learned so much in those conversations and feel like it, some of that is what we wanna to bring to those that listen to, to Why It Matters here. So Dan, thanks for joining. Uh, thanks for starting uh, Threshold World and thanks for all the time on those, on those conversations. Uh, it's nice of you to say that, but I, I got as much, if not more, out of it as as you did, Tim. It was, uh, you know, it was, it was a big time of transformation in my life, and um, I was doing, it was in my head pretty deeply, you know, based on experiences that, that I'd had and, and places that I, I thought I might want to go for the next phase of the career, and um, and it was, and for me, it personally, it was a threshold moment, but the thing, we, we use that term a lot, but the, you know, the you may not know. Do you know where we came up with like that idea, the the, the name for the company? The Sputnik moment was taken. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, uh, I have too much hair for a Sputnik moment, but uh, <laughs> the uh, you know what, what it actually was. I know you both will appreciate this because it's a huge theme for for you at NIM. Is is I I was really inspired by the UN agenda and had been reading literally like actually reading all of the goals, targets, and indicators in the SDGs. And if, and, and I actually did like, I took the whole thing and like threw it in like a word mapping, you know, tool online. Uh, and, and the word that keeps coming up of many words, but one of the words that comes up over and over and over again is this word threshold. And because it's all about like, yep. you know, should we be over this threshold, under this threshold? And so um, like I, the light bulb just went off and I was like, that's it. Like that's when we were trying to figure out the name of the company, the feelings we had about this moment of, of change that you know that the nonprofit sector is going through that the commercial sector is going through the hopefully you know soon to be egalitarian level of profit and purpose like all, all these ide ideas that so many people are thinking about in many different ecosystems that's kind of where it came from and and then i like literally stumbled across that like dot world domain and i was like that's that's it so yeah anyway it's just we it was a great it was a great time in, in my life to get started. I was really lucky that you reached out and uh, I'm glad, I'm glad the words meant something to you. That means a lot from a friend. So, yeah. And um, it was also for me, I was like looking over the last nine years. And I remember one of our first conversations was I, I don't, I can't look back and qualitatively say we've made a difference. Now I know that we've done good work, no question. Mm -hmm. And the orgs we've worked for have done good work. So like that, that's a baseline, but that's all it is. 
And I felt like, you know, I remember our first conversations were about the importance of data, measure it, like what can you measure, what's intangible. And I remember one of the things you said that um, I, I want you to say more about is the importance of putting the participant or the recipient of nonprofits in the center of the model instead of the donors and fundraisers. And I thought a little bit about that, I, I wanna say, but it might not even be true. But that hit, hit me like a, like a bolt of lightning about how important that is. Mm -hmm. um, can you say more about that and what you've done with sure. that since? Sure, well, I, I have to give some of the credit where it's due, which is my co-founder uh, named Lena, who also happens to be my life partner and, and wife, um, has always checked me a bunch of times over the years saying, you know, you need to remember like everything you're doing, it's great. Like the text that's, you know, it's pretty neat. It's fancy, you know, it's really innovative, whatever, but it, you have to remember this is fundamentally a human exercise, right? And so the fast forward into kind of looking at, at this problem that you bring up about, you know, having the constituent at the center and, you know, industry has been saying like, we have to be customer centric and God knows how many flavors of that we've seen, right? And uh, and then we also 360, saw many, oh, this, and, no. you know, like, <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with the idea, right? We uh, get yeah. it, but, but really yeah. profits at the center. And let's be honest. And so, um, and, and I, I do, I do pay credit to like customer experience engagement and the concepts behind CRM and so forth. But the net of it was, as we fast forwarded and started to think about all the work we'd done in fundraising and in grant management. We, li we literally, and it was, it was our fault, we never knew where the funds went, right? We were helping organizations raise money. We were helping organizations make grants, um, trying to drive efficiency. And, and we were successful in some of those cases, but just, just like you said, I'd put hundreds of thousands of people on a variety of different CRM platforms over the years, not to mention millions of you know, customers, constituents, and portals. And I really couldn't, I can't tell you whether any of it actually mattered or not. And so, so there was this burning desire to like go figure out where, you know, where did the funds go? Not because we were interested in, in saying, well, we have to track the money because if you track the money, that's going to tell you, you know, the efficacy of the programs. That's hopefully most people know that's, that's a myth, right? And that should be put down. Dan Pilata did an incredible job of setting us all straight on that. Probably one of the first. Most ones. people don't know that's a myth. Can you say like two sentences about that? Yeah. It's, you know, this overhead myth that, that the way that we should judge nonprofits is based on the, 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 the minuscule amounts that they dedicate to running their operations. Like we, you know, and I'm borrowing from Dan Plata here, right, is we, 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 should, we don't expect organizations in the commercial sector to not invest in growth. In fact, many of the companies that we admire in DFI lose money forever, right, and, until their last day, until somebody comes in and buys them out. Like why would as we? As far as I know, Amazon is still losing money. Hey, what, why you would know. we expect? You know, why would we expect the same if we're trying to solve some little thing like poverty or homelessness or you know any number of other social challenges? It's ridiculous. It's just obscene. And so, you know, Dan was the one that had the words and the courage uh, as a social entrepreneur, you know, to to go out and do that. And he he paid the price for that. And he shares that story and brilliant, you know, in a brilliant TED talk that if. Anybody who's listening to this has and seen, please go follow and learn from Dan Pilate. It's brilliant. Anyway, I'm way off track. The point of your question was, well, <laughs> why, where's, where's the customer in all of this? And you know, if we were watching the funds flow through the system and focusing on kind of like this overhead myth, 
when we got into looking at this very broad category of monitoring and evaluation, MERL, MEAL, pick your acronym, almost none of those systems have a customer record in them. Right? They track projects, they track uh, you know, outputs um, to the best extent they can. And, and you know, still 80% of the market based on you know, research we've seen is, is in Microsoft Excel or paper or some other creative tool that people have decided to use. So you know, how is it that we could solve or help people solve their own challenges if they're not even manifest in the systems that we're, you know, with that we're using to help govern those processes. And so the, the idea that came to us was, you know, our technology needs to be a digital manifestation of our commitment to inclusivity. And how could we possibly have a hope of being inclusive and thinking about participatory engagement if they're not <laughs> these people these organizations, these groups of people or things like a forest, a beach, et cetera, aren't at the center of the systems that we're using to do all whatever all this work is from ideation to storytelling. And so I was shocked as we started to look at all these apps, like there were great project models and, and all of these other utilities, but, but there was nothing in these systems for these, uh, you know, let's call it the subject of the, the object. And uh, in some cases that's totally appropriate because that information shouldn't be there. In fact, in many cases, that's, that's exactly as it should be. You shouldn't have you know, a participant in there if it's actually gonna increase the risk to their life or challenge their livelihood. So I wanna just copy out that. But anyway, when, when that light bulb went off for me too, I was like, whoa, all right, we need to, we, we actually might have a shot at making, you know, moving the needle on this. You know what's interesting, Dan, is it, I'm hearing echoes of the conversation that we just put out earlier this month with Amy Sample Ward in what you're saying. Um, you know, Amy was very, very specific about saying, look, this isn't just boiling down to where you center your work. It's, it's boiling down to the language you use. It's boiling down to the way that you even frame your arguments and, and who has actuality in those arguments when you're doing them. And that conversation is kind of echoed here because it's what you're doing is you're challenging the fundamental sum, assumption of what it means to serve. Mm. Right. And I feel like many of us have come from this world of like service in nonprofits means maximum extraction of output for minimum input of money. Mm. There's a there's mm. another phrase for that. That's an older phrase. We call that indentured servitude. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, that's not the way to run an economy. It's certainly not the way to run an organization. And it's certainly not a way to actually advance human beings. Um, and what I love also about what you're saying is in a different lifetime, I worked directly with business partners in the Salesforce ecosystem. And I always used to say to anyone who would listen, I don't know a single business partner serving nonprofits who doesn't give a damn about the state of the world in some way, shape, or form. We all may be terrible about articulating it. We all may have different opinions about what is of service, but like people get into this thing because they care about the world. And that is a fundamental difference uh, that is echoed in what you just said. I, I, what, what could I possibly say? 
beyond what you just mentioned. That is just perfectly said. And I, I think you're, I just think you're absolutely right. Like we're, but it, it, we're all here because we're trying to figure out whether the hypothesis of and is going to work, right? You know, we're, we're all in leadership roles in the organizations that we're in, whether you're lucky enough to be in the CEO or president or executive director spot or, you know, a team member that's, that's just, you know, getting the work done and, and learning in the process. And um, we're, we're trying to figure out what service actually means, you know, while at the same time, sustaining the livelihoods of our team members and trying to invest in innovation and in a market that historically has been shackled with lots of norms and that hold it back from being able to do that. And I, I also, I take issue with the fact that everybody says, well, the nonprofit world is 10 years behind. Um, they're, mm. they, may, they may not in general, you know, and I don't like generalizations in general. <laughs> I guess I just made a generalization by saying that, but, but I think it's appropriate. Um, you know, some of the most unbelievable breathtaking innovations I've ever seen in any industry I've worked in or touched have come, you know, from the nonprofit sector because of the level of ingenuity that's required in, in, in positions of scarcity. And so, so I think there's just a ton to, to learn in this process and um, it, it, it'll it'll probably be our whole lives where we're trying to figure out what's the balance of, you know, of serving the sector uh, and, you know, our nonprofits in service of their constituents. Is that, is that really how it works? Are we, are corporate enterprises here to serve their customers? You know, what does that really mean? Who, who gets a vote? Whose data is it? There's just tons of questions around this that, that we're all grappling with. And I think it's going to take us a lifetime to figure it out. And probably most of these will be unresolved by the time we're done. So there's, um, yeah, absolutely on that. And there's increasing amounts of clarity coming from ESG movements right now, which somehow are significantly different than uh, CSR, like corporate social responsibility. Um, and, and a lot of that was just like corporate penance, if, if you will. Sure. What's emerging, what's emerging and, and you and I have talked about this in the past is ESG, so environmental, social, and governance um, as a business plan, not as a, you know, externality coverage, right? Yep. Um, but as a, and, and what's driving that more and more is the realization that I think the numbers are, are over 50% uh, of people are willing to pay more for alignment or along values, like for, with brand alignment. Um, so in other words, like if you like what, Coke or Pepsi are about, or say they're about, <laughs> that was challenging, but whatever, um, you're, you will start making purchasing decisions based on that. And so um, the idea of, you know, shareholders, who are shareholders, uh, and, you know, all of that is in flux in a way that is brand new um, or, or so old, we don't remember it. I don't know which of those it is. Um, and that is actually putting the nonprofit market ahead because we've been thinking about impact and we've been thinking about intangible you know contribution for so much longer um and so i i think that, that i think your point's well made on that um that brings us to the importance of data would love to talk about of course common data model i know we're broken records around that um but i i remember a call with you where i i said you know Imagine if we could rally around SDGs 
and create enough data for those to be believable symbols. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and, and then of course we start talking about the, uh, the CDM common data model. Um, I would love to know how you started with common data model, what it means to you now, where do you see it going next? Uh, you know, some, some of that. Okay. Yeah. I will only say like, <laughs> I view you as sort of like one of the godfathers or godparents or I don't know. Godfather is like a mob term. So maybe godparent. Yeah. yeah kingpin. Of, I don't know. Kingpin, yeah. Big boss. I don't know. Now I'm just listing Marvel universe villains, Um, you know, of the common data model because of the work. And that's a great story. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a story that's still unfolding. Right. And um, I think the most important thing is that the door's wide open for lots more contributions from people from any walk of life, any ecosystem, and any perspective. So, um, you know, back to that theme of inclusivity, like this, that's ultimately what this is about, is trying to understand the, the role of data in moving the sector forward and an acknowledgement of the fact that, that we we have we actually have learned a lot about what doesn't work well, you know, in in the past, and it's time to you know clear the hurdles around that. The you know how did I get involved in it? Um, it's actually there's a long story, but the the short story is really simple. It's it's there's this guy out there named Eric Arnold, and I had an opportunity to meet Eric along with uh, people from the firm I was with prior to Threshold.World uh, as a customer. And I, um, you know, put very simply, Eric is 100% genuine. He is exactly the person that he says he is. And I uh, saw him move, make a move, just like you mentioned earlier, Tim, uh, on LinkedIn. I saw a LinkedIn announcement, and it basically said Eric Arnold's joined this group at Microsoft. I I'd been working like you, Tracy, uh, for over a, well over a decade in the Salesforce ecosystem. Uh, and saw that Eric moved. And, I, you know, when you see someone who you really respect make a move, it, it actually makes you take notice. And so, you know, curiosity was piqued and started to learn a little bit more about it. And ultimately through connecting with Eric, got to understand this strategy that Microsoft has ha had hatched around industries and, and how that's coupled with their, uh, the way that the Microsoft business model works with partners at the center of, of what they do. And so, you know, to fast forward things, the, the, the net of it was that Microsoft had prioritized a number of industries. They were gonna do uh, health and then they were gonna do nonprofit second and then education third, which I thought was really interesting in and of itself, you know, for a major global corporate enterprise uh, and, and other industries like automotive manufacturing and the rest would, would, would also be swept up in the mix. But there was this opportunity to be one of many contributors to this idea of uh, creating a design for a common data language that apps could use. And in, in a lot of the experiences I had had prior, um, many of, and many of the examples I could come up with in a much longer discussion would be, you know, would be the failures of my own part and naivete about what things worked or what didn't work. But the net of it was, is that despite having some of the most you know incredible tools at our disposal we still had a lot of data islands uh, that yeah. some of which were you couldn't avoid and others which we created in the process and some of that was just you know related to projects and whatnot but but i had a a formative experience with the cio um, and i told the story at nethope a couple of years ago 
uh, and I fictitious name because I don't want to name the person directly is they called her sage, which is a word that means wisdom. And essentially sage said, you know, don't come back to me unless you you're bringing me technology that works together because I, I, I know like you're, you're incredibly innovative and it's amazing. And we're proud of the work you're doing. We value the investments that you and companies you're partnered with are making, but we can't, like, we can't handle all of this. Like we, we need the stuff to work together. It's just that simple. So, so Eric was the, you know, the, the thought leader behind this initiative uh, inside of Microsoft. And by learning what was, what he was up to and what they were going to do, we, uh, we had this opportunity to create this company, Threshold.World, and be a contributor to the common data model for nonprofits and its very formative stages. Um, there, there were many other parties involved, you know, from some of the biggest funders in the, in the market to, you know, large operating nonprofits, to small operating nonprofits, to subject matter experts. There was a large cast of characters, but, but I, I got to actually do, a, and, and the team that I was working with inside of Threshold got to do a, a good bit of the design and the research that was part of that, stewarded by Microsoft, which was a real pleasure, and, and make a big contribution to it. And, uh, and, and the idea behind all of that was for, not just for me and for us, but for everybody else that was participating was to take what we had learned, you know, the good, the bad, and, and the neutral, and be able to start fresh with a, a brand new construct that was technology independent, that could be manifest, you know, both in Microsoft's technology, which was absolutely and remains a big part of the intent and core to their strategy, but also made available to everybody, including, you know, seeming competitors uh, for the betterment of everybody. And that Microsoft would effectively make this investment, uh, use their convening power as the organization and the people that they are, but then give it back. And that was supremely attractive to, to me at that point in time. And so, you know, we feel, um, and I feel tremendously privileged to, to have a, a role in that and to have made an incredible number of new relationships and friends. And, and also, you know, I wanna just acknowledge, you know, all of the things that I got to put into it were the results of so much learning with all the people that I got to work with in the, in the past as well. They, they were, ideas that came from so many people um, about challenges that we'd faced and issues that we couldn't resolve. And, and so, you know, when in your life do you just get to start over without like, you know, <laughs> so it was just, just awesome. And, and now, now I guess the last part of the story for us is that because of the approach that Microsoft takes with partners around this, we get to re-ingest all of those concepts into our own future path as a software and services business, which is you know, what a, what a tremendous privilege. So all of those contributions get made to, you know, made available to everybody. They're not the only one that does it that way, obviously, right? But it is, it is something that's, that Microsoft is hell-bent on um, giving back to the sector, making available. And, and I really, you know, while there are a lot of people involved from the executive ranks at Microsoft to other leaders in tech for social impact, for me personally, it really all comes back to, to Eric. And, uh, and I just... Uh, I want to thank him for, for his friendship and also for his, his, um, his leadership in the sector. There's been, um, that story is amazing. There's been a lot of suspicion about um, whether or not Microsoft actually is giving it back. Mm -hmm. And, um, and there, and, and for good reason, uh, you know, I, I think that um, it's not every day that, uh, that a brand thinks bigger than brands, bigger than borders. Um, you know, um, I know, 
that was my starting position was like, okay, is this real? Um, mm -hmm. When we started to have some of those conversations. Um, I think it is. You think yeah. it is. Um, Tracy thinks it is. What, why do we all think that this is actually going back to the community? Uh, I mean, it's just a fact. It's a it's an irrefutable fact. It's published online. It's available. You know, people are talking about it. Um, people are getting the picture that it's not a Microsoft common data model. And I think we have to keep reminding everybody of that. My, Microsoft made a huge contribution. It would have happened if it weren't for them. And, and you're, you know, you're doing an incredible job creating a you know an ag tech agnostic community of people that want to make contributions and then take that and put it back in whatever technology they choose to, to work with. And so um, I think we're, you know, we're skeptical because we've been burnt in the yeah. past, you know, and things have changed. And, and I, I'm going to remain an optimist. Right? And I, it's just who I am as a person. And I'm going to remain an optimist and, and believe in the, the general positivity and good in people. And I think that that people are, are, are almost always, you know, almost always, always trying to do the best they can with whatever they, whatever hand they've been dealt or whatever circumstances they're dealing with. And, uh, you know, who are we to, to say, you know, why they made particular decisions or not? We may not like how it affects us, you know? And I think, you know, all of us can say in our lives, we, we experience that sometimes, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, we at Threshold are, are we are proof that, that it's out there because we are building a platform and a product that you know, inherits all of the benefits of, of that, um, even though we got to contribute it, to it on the other end. And we don't owe anybody anything for that, right? You know, we're, we're trying to do our part to share how we're doing that and why we're doing it that way and so forth, because we feel a duty to do that for the benefit of, of everybody. And that's not, hopefully it doesn't come off as being self-righteous in any way because it's, it's not, but, um, but it's out there and, you know, I, I don't know how you could feel any other way because it's just the way it is. Like there's this thing called GitHub and go check it out. <laughs> I will wholeheartedly own that, you know, there are days where I rely on Tim for sunny optimism, <laughs> you know, like, because, you know, you're right. Like, I think all of us, you know, even before we hit record, we were just kibitzing about like, how many times do we have to repeat the same action before that same action will take us in a different direction, right? And I do want to call out, like, this is a moment for changing direction. And I think the meta message that I'm hearing and what you're saying, Dan, is like, we just went through a year. I mean, like, sorry, this is going to be some nerd stuff for a minute, but like there was a Star Trek Voyager two episode arc called Year of Hell. Um, and we just went through Year of Hell right now as a country and as a world. And if there's not a moment where all of the assumptions and ways that we thought we were acting need to be reevaluated, like if this isn't that moment, I don't know what would be. And, and it's incumbent in my honest opinion. And, and this is where my own sort of like naivety and like idealism still get to me because I'm like, it's incumbent on all of us now to take both that personal journey of reinvention, which is a deeply personal individual thing, but also like a business reinvention about how we serve nonprofits. And 
you know, I just applaud you saying this isn't us coming to the table with all of the answers. This is us coming to a table with a dialogue about what is a new way we can do some some old stuff with a new perspective. And and thank you. I, I think also, you know, when you get a little older like me, I won't speak for either of you, but when you there's a lot of gray older, now, Dan. There's a lot of gray. I looked at a yeah, photo becoming, of myself from, getting ancient from 10 years ago, and I was like, wow, like you had actually brown blonde hair then. Now it's kind of white. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It gets it gets exhausting arguing about the same thing over and over again. Yeah. I mean, whether it's in your personal life or whether it's like my address model is better better than yours. Like we're not gonna you know, like move the needle if that's where we are, right? We are not gonna even get close to solving these problems or even filling the evidence gaps that we have today in the SDGs per, per your point earlier, Tim, if we, if we don't just like get all of that over with, right? And, and the argument shouldn't be about, well, I am gonna use this platform or I'm gonna use that platform or mine's better than yours. Like get off the playground like use whatever technology you want to use, like accept the fact that, that there's a movement afoot that is going to happen, right? It's already happening and we just need to get on with it and start to really innovate in the places where we need to, where it's actually going to cause change to happen, or at least enable it, enable people to have the agency to make it happen. And that's, that's for us, that last point is where we're really focused is like, we're not going to actually make these problems go away. Right. The only way they, they go away is if everybody gets involved. And the only way to get everybody involved is to remove the roadblocks for them to be able to actually do that. Because from last time I checked, like I'm still sitting here on a pile of privilege and mm -hmm. I, you know, shame on me if I have a single complaint any day of the week, because it's just not fair, right? It isn't fair for me to even take 30 seconds out of my day to feel like I've been a victim or that I have been you know, uh, unable to do something in some way, shape or form. And, and it isn't that I don't face challenges, but, you know, but the reality is there are so many others that face so many other challenges. And, and so we, we just need to be, we need to start to focus on the things that are really going to matter because as, you know, as, as all of us have said in different contexts, like we're really running out of time, you know, like the threshold moment, it was two years ago for us. <laughs> and so, uh, the question is going to be like, what, what is it going to be like in 2030? You know, and, um, you know, for me personally, one of the things I've thought about a lot over the years have been so lucky to work with a, a host of different, you know, cause focused organizations is like, which, which one of these areas gets mo more of my blood flowing, right? Which is the one that I'm the most excited about or the most concerned about. And, and I think that, uh, and there, and there's, tons that I care a lot about, but the one I'm the wor most worried about is climate. And, yeah. and so, you know, I being a surfer and spending a lot of time in the ocean and so forth, I see those changes. I worry about what happens to the billions of people that rely on fish stocks and the list goes on and on and on. And every other issue is just as important. But for me personally, that's the one that kind of gets my, you know, gets my interest the most. And so I just, I just feel like we're, if we're, if we can't put that stuff behind us, like right now, like I don't have time to have those discussions with people anymore about those kinds of pedantic arguments. Cause there, there just isn't, a, there's not enough time in my life left. There's not enough time in any of our lives left. And, uh, and if we don't get moving a lot faster than we are now and use our talent and our ability to apply technology and be empathetic, like it's, 
we might as well just go all go back and work for the banks and make a lot of money, you know, and yeah. and, uh, and go from there and, and buy jets and ruin the planet because, you know, that'd be great, wouldn't it? That'd be a really super idea, but that's it's not what I'm going to do, and I know it's not what either of you are going to do. So anyway, I'm, have I'm you um, have you been have you read uh, Simon Sinek's Infinite Game? Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, like I'm hearing so many threads in there, and you also introduced me to the book Impact, which has been yeah. really, uh, really amazing. Um, the, you introduced the, me to the book How by mm -hmm. Dove Seidelman. Uh, yeah. Yep, that is um, another hero. Yep, How Matters. That the I the idea of Infinite Game is so appropriate for so much more appropriate for this space. I think than any others. And, you know, we heard that when we talked uh, with Kate Daniels in the past um, and, we, and it keeps coming up like this, not every industry is able to operate in an and versus or function. And since we are, it is just so important for us to just take that agency and move with it. Um, and I think that's, that, that's important. I want to pivot to 1 billion stories. Uh, yeah. do, I have, do I have the number right on that? Yeah, I was going to say, we'd be remiss if we didn't give Dan a moment to talk about a couple of things that he's got rolling in the in the final minutes we've got together. Sounds good. Well, we um, I think you do need a big and I, I still can't figure out how to say this word right. So it's either audacious or audacious or somewhere in between. But you need a audacious, big audacious, audacious. That's you 100 percent sure about that. Yes, we're because always, I said we're it. We're always 100 percent sure. <laughs> we're often. I'm 100 percent sure because I said it. Do you know there's like I hope that this is going to come off right, but there are certain words that I just can't remember how to spell. Like no yeah. matter what, like the spell oh, check yeah. gets me anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we we going back to the theme of you know putting the individuals and organizations and and you know ecosystems at the center of all of this. We we did a lot of listening for about a year and a half to try to understand you know what are the problems that program teams face uh, in delivering on the mission and and what role could technology possibly play in giving them more time with. The participants, clients, beneficiaries—you know, however they're they're referred to—and so we came up with this idea of, based on what we learned from talking to lots and lots of these folks and looking at all of the applications that were out there, that one of the biggest challenges these individuals face is that they um, they are in these jobs generally or these roles because they care about the work they do, and anything that they have to do that takes them away from doing the work is really difficult for them because often lives are at stake right? um, or, or you know the education of a child might be at stake or a million other things and so so they don't get a lot of time to actually do the, do the administrative work that needs to be done to keep everybody else happy and and one of the key things in that is tracking impact and you know how impact you know down to outputs so you have to be able to do all that kind of work um, you know project management program design etc you also need to be able to ideate and build strategies around that stuff. Uh, and people do that really effectively now, but these things are not well connected. And, and then the last thing that, that pops out of that is that, that often the nonprofits that, that you come into contact with have maybe a couple of people that are brilliant at telling the story of the origin or the challenge or the project or the transformation or whatever the case might be. And so this thing that we've been working on, which is called Beat Out World, that's launching at the end of March publicly. Um, we've been in pilot for a while. 
is a program design and storytelling platform for nonprofit program teams. And it, the hypothesis is that if we bring, you know, brilliant consumer grade design together with a reasonably accessible price, and then embed this ability to amplify the voice of change, whoever it may be coming from, that, that would be a compelling thing for program teams to be able to spend more time doing the work that they cared about in the first place. So uh, lots more to come on that in, in, in the latter part of March and April. And uh, I'm really grateful to the pilot customers and the wait list uh, users that have been educating us on all the things we got wrong in the initial versions last year. And, and so my hat is off to, to all of you and your teams and, and, and we're really inspired. But our, our hope is that uh, over the course of the next few years, however many it might be, that we'll be able to help these organizations tell a billion stories of, of change. And uh, that's two days on Facebook, by the way. So, you know, we're, we're, it sounds like a lot of stories, but, you know, when you compare it to, to a platform that has, you know, uh, that kind of scale, it's, it's obviously, you know, not a lot of time. But we're, 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 we're really excited about the launch. And um, if you want to learn more about it in the short term, you can go to waitlist.world. Uh, and shortly, it'll be on the website at b.world also. So thanks for, thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, thanks for letting us uh, be early, uh, you know, early users on that. And it's been really exciting to see the progress that's been made. And um, I remember the first time I clicked through on creating a story, like the, yeah, the lights just all went the off. Lights I was went like, on. oh my gosh, like, from program to like, yeah, I, I mean, it just is, it catches a lot in that cycle that is so hard to do behind the scenes and feels so intangible. And then all of a sudden it feels really easy when you're doing it in the system. So um, yeah. well done, really excited about it. Um, can't wait to continue participating with you on it. Well, you two are an inspiration to me and I just wanna thank you both for your friendship you know, Tracy, we go way back. We've, we've seen each other across the room many times oh, in man. Good times and in bad. And, and I will say that uh, I, know, I know you are a loving human being. And if you're ever having a bad day, just ask, ask Tracy if she might give you a hug because it'll make everything better. Um, we, really had a, we had a lot of good hugs at Dreamforce too. Yeah. Like... You are a good friend and I am grateful for your presence in my life. And, and Tim, thank you too. For Likewise. All your guidance. Yeah, thank you, Dan. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, glad to be mutually inspired. Thanks for your time today. You too. Thank you both. Have a good weekend. See ya. You too. I'm Tim Lockie. I'm Tracy Kronzak. And you've been listening to Why It Matters. Why It Matters is a thought leadership project of Now It Matters, a strategic services firm offering advising and guiding to nonprofit and social impact organizations. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, check out our playlists, and visit us at nowitmatters.com to learn more about us.